Hello and welcome to our live streaming on my YouTube channel, Spiritism, and the, the Facebook group, Your Spiritual Journey. It is a Sunday, August 9th, 2020 at 6 p.m. Eastern, and we do this every Sunday. We will take a break in September for three weeks, but that will be it. But we do live stream every Sunday and Tuesdays at 5 p.m. And please remember to subscribe, hit the bell, please hit the like button. We'd like to spread this far and wide, spread spiritism and the knowledge about the spirit world to everybody we can. It will help us with the YouTube algorithm. So we have been talking about on successive Sunday nights on the book Violets on the Window, which I have here. Here, It's a wonderful book. Violets on the Window, you can get it on Amazon via Kindle or paperback. It was originally written in Portuguese, but it's been translated into English. It, and we're going through it chapter by chapter and learning together about what a young spirit who discarnated early in life into the spirit colony San Sebastian. And tonight, and it's, a, it's above a city uh, in Minas Gerais in, in Brazil, in the state of Minas Darius in Brazil. And so she's telling us so much about this. And of course, what I do is as I go through this, I, I juxtapose what I've learned from books such as um, Chico Xavier, who's written, who actually psychograph, I should say, psychographing is when the medium Chico uh, interpreted, was dictated to by spirits and wrote down books as dictated to him by spirits. And who wrote uh, more than 500 books by the time he died. And actually he's kept publishing books after he died with messages he had from spirit world. So they're almost up to 550 now. It's amazing. And of course, other wonderful authors like Yvonne Pera. So Patricia was a member of a spiritist family during her physical lifetime. And she was somewhat prepared for life in the spiritual colony. So let's start into it and see what she says about nourishment. So this is very interesting. So first I'd like to say is you don't need much nourishment at all in, as you are in the spirit world, but spirits still like the fact of eating. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to saying, well, when I be, when I'm a spirit, you know, do I give up eating? Because I really like to eat, right? I like my food and, you know, who can blame them? But, and in fact, there was a, a uh, passage in the book by Chico Xavier dictated by the spirit Henri Luis about the, another spiritual colony called No Solar, which is above Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. And in that book, they talked about, this is again, probably around, I think at the same level, San Sebastian, it seems like. So, the governor of the, of the city, No Solar, was trying to tell everybody, you don't really need your food. You just need like a broth and water and sunlight. And because you are a spirit and you need much less sustenance. And I thought this was interesting. And, and so, but they did show that, that people still could taste their food. But then again, I re I've read about, and I've actually been talking about, uh, areas down in the dark abyss, which we would call a purgatory. No one's there forever. As soon as you change your attitude, you're out. And when they have food, they can't really taste it. It's just they, they have to think they're enjoying it, right? They see the form, 
but there's nothing enjoyable about it, which seems to me that there, there, you know, either there is, is some, something that's more sophisticated in the spirit world, which they can give people food, people who are still not used. It just as Patricia was given some solid food and she says she's eaten fruit in the colony. And so they're weaning her off of needing that. That's what we're going to talk about here on this nourishment. And so, but she could still taste it. She said everything tasted great. But then when you're down in the lower zone or the umbrellas, I say Portuguese, or even further down, like a type of purgatory, so you couldn't even taste it. So it's probably the sophistication of the spirit world. You know, the people who are in one level of heaven probably get to taste their food because there's some more of, of uh, processing involved that will allow you to think you're tasting your food. Now, you may, you may ask, then let's, let's, you know, before we start the book, let's talk about the background of, of okay, why, why don't I need food? Why, why should, you know, don't you need some sustenance? So let me read a passage from Workers of the Life Eternal. And this was by the spirit Henri Louise, psychograph by Chico Xavier. And this is what he talked about that. He says, we reside in vibratory realms of a different sort, though we shouldn't be at all surprised. The laws that govern dense matter, the ones we use to experience down on Earth, are not the same ones that preside over the phenomena of the quintessential matter that serves as a basis for our transitory manifestations. Only now have incarnate humans begin to perceive certain problems inherent to the atomic energy present on the denser plane where their personality is temporarily located. As you very well notice, the electric discharges of the ethereal atom in our sphere of action make things possible that are nearly inconceivable to the human mind. Now, I talk about this in, uh, in one of the articles I have in my book, um, 51 Disclosures of Spiritism. Let me put this up. There we go. 51 Disclosures of Spiritism, the third revelation. So, and, and I talk about more about the theory of Adam, but let me uh, carry on with it a bit more. So, I did look up what was meant by the ethereal Adam. And in the website, it was very interesting, is the Campaign for Philosophical Freedom. And I have, of course, all of this in my book. And this is what they talk about. What would the ethereal Adam do? Because Because it's much lighter and faster. So you talk about is the speed of light is much higher than in our world. And of course, as I said before, there is no speed limit in, in the spiritual world. You go as fast as you think you want to be. They're not, right? It's presence or absence. There's no such thing as distance. And then on this website, they also said, well, typical frequency of elementary, elementary particles, photons, electrons, proton neutrinos are much higher than the corresponding ones in our world. And they also say Planck's constant is much smaller. And then number four is masses of elementary particles as well as atoms are much smaller, but the elementary charge is the same. They also say the structure of atoms, size, geometry, and energy spectrum of atoms are the same as in our world. Therefore, ethereal, solid, liquid, and gaseous matter can be formed from ethereal atoms in the same matter as, as in our world. But then they go on, this is why we can't see it. Ethereal protons, as well as other ethereal elementary particles, are invisible to us because of their high frequencies. 
This is true also for ethereal atoms and for solid matter built from these atoms. So what, is, what do they mean by this? So it's really the last statement that we can have this whole, you know, what we think is solid, but ethereal atoms, if we were also built of some sort of ethereal atoms, it would look solid to us. But as a human and more dense, it doesn't. And that's why this last statement is so important. It's based on the assumption that the world has a fully waved nature and all elementary particles are constructed from photon-like or neutrino-like particles with zero rest mass. So as the article says, in this case, two different wave objects may occupy the same place. They influence each other, leading to an interference picture only in the case where their frequencies are similar. In the quantum mechanics language, the condition for mutual influence of atoms is the appropriate frequency of the electromagnetic fields carried by the protons, which are absorbed and emitted by those atoms. So the article then goes on to say, in ordinary life, we feel surrounding things due to electromagnetic interaction between our own atoms and our eyes, skin, and neurons, for example, and photons emitted by atoms of surrounding bodies. Since our atoms cannot absorb photons emitted by ethereal atoms, the ethereal world is invisible to us. So there's a whole dimension out there. And in fact, spiritism tells us, spirits have told us that we can only see one eighth of the world around us. Many things on the spectrum we can't see. And, and of course, then goes through when these people are talking about the ethereal atom. They also go on in this article to talk about the second type of interaction we have with our surrounding bodies is gravitational. We feel the attraction of the earth and most likely the main reason for our need of energy is the necessity to overcome the force of gravitation. It is interesting to note that the evolution of life on earth can be considered as a history of struggle for food that in turn is required for the energy needed to overcome gravitation. All our digestive blood and respiratory systems are needed to provide energy for muscle systems again to overcome gravitation. Now carry on with the, with, uh, with the quote. What would life be like in the ethereal world? We may suppose that ethereans have no problems with food because they don't need nearly as much energy as earth people. They may possibly receive appropriate chemical energy mainly for brain and nervous activity, immediately from electromagnetic fields, fluxes of ethereal protons and neutrino flows. If so, they don't need digestive and blood systems, nor a respiratory system. They can move very quickly because of the absence of gravitational forces and atmosphere resistance, small mass, and high light velocity. So they have no problems with territory and do not struggle for the existence, at least not in the same way as in our world. Now, this was written by a website, and they had no knowledge of spiritism. They were just contemplating, okay, if they had a, a, what we call an ethereal atom, what would that, what that, what would that different dimension, what would that universe look like? And they're saying exactly what spiritism says. You don't need the sustenance. Spiritism says all we need is some water and light. And as we'll go on in this chapter, they'll show that this is true. And they all said you don't need respiratory or blood system again. As we've learned in other books that, you know, you can even cut the arm and leg and the body off of a spirit. That's just a pair of spirit. Then they will all come together again when the person thinks it should come together because it's really a logical body. And of course, these are all things, right? Because the pair of spirit is what a spirit wants to look like. It's the covering of their body, which they logically decide of how they want to appear.
So we have this, and this is kind of a hard part to, to start grasping. So we have this, this disposition of matter on earth, and then we have uh, less dense matter in the spirit world. So, so we're talking about that, but at the same time, I also say that things are a logical construct. And so this shows you how complex the spirit universe is because the spirit universe is made of universal fluid, which through your mind, as you're a higher and higher spirit, you can, you can make universal fluid into whatever ob object you want by making changes in the, the, the density and the vibrational flow and all that you're trained how to do that. So you, you're in this logical construct, but then again, through your mind, you can move semi-permanent physical things. It's, and so, or is this, are these semi-permanent physical things? Are they still just logical contract that in your mind, you just see this. And so everything is really a kind of a software program or is it a combination? I'm not sure. I think it's, I think it's mostly a, a consciousness without physical ability, but I could be wrong. So this is a very interesting thing about the spirit world. Now, Let's get into what we've been waiting for, which is the book. But of course, I want to give you background of what other people say. So now we're back with Patricia in the Colony San Sebastian. This is what she writes. It was time for my grandmother to go back to work. She enjoyed her work very much, so she was happy to return. She would still be able to spend time away with me when she had some time off. I continued going out quite often, now by myself. I went several times to the Round Plaza, and since I like to talk, I made several friends there. One of them was, was Anna. She had gone out for a walk, and we started talking. We realized that we had many things in common, so a sincere friendship began. So here I'm talking about all this, this logical unconsciousness, and yet to Patricia, she's in this colony, San Sebastian. She's not really working yet because she's not quite ready. And she goes out and talks to people. To her, life is normal. It's like you're on earth, but you're lighter, you're, you're, you're more handsome or prettier, however you want to look, right? You're in great shape. You can't get sick. Um, all these fantastic things. There's no degradation. There's no deterioration. There's no decay. And But then kind of life's normal. She's finding friends. So let me carry on. What did you discard it of? Or how did you discard it? That's, she said, that's a common question around here. Conversations start and soon the departure question pops up. Everybody wants to know how the carnal body died. Mauricio explained that this question comes more often from novices who are still preoccupied with their own departures and want to know about everyone's else. Quite logical. Again, Spirit World's trying to make us, they don't shock us and say, we're giving you this whole logical universe and you have to learn how to use your mind for everything. No, they kind of give you this paraspiritual body and you were kind of real, still think you're, you're human and whole. That's why so many people are, don't even know they're dead yet. So I'll carry on. I told Anna about mine and she told me about hers. She goes, and then Anna said, it's been a long time, decades actually, since I passed over, my body withered with tuberculosis. So Anna had passed away young at 17. She was intelligent, very well educated, and loved to learn. We spent many hours in long conversation. 
she invited me to visit her at work and at home. She lives and also works at the Learning Center. One day, my friend Federico and I went to visit her. Whenever possible, he would accompany me in my outings about the colony, always enlightening me about the places and their functions. Patricia, he said, in order to work at the Learning Center, one has to be exceedingly learned and dedicated. Generally, these instructors have been discarnated for a long time and have extensive knowledge about the human soul. To be useful wisely, one also has to possess knowledge. Then she writes, Anna came to meet us cheerful as always. She had her little corner, her room, or her space, as some of the youngsters are in the habit of saying, when referring to that place where they live. Her dorm, as she used to say, was in the residential section reserved for the Learning Center staff. The place was very beautiful. So this is the Learning Center. It's probably an education center, a campus where people who are newly discarnated can learn about the spirit world and start their, their path up through the different learning centers, the different colleges, the schools, so they can, they can all graduate if they so choose. It's all your free will. No one's going to make you go to the Learning Center. You can graduate to higher and higher levels of heaven. I'll carry on with what she said. The staff could live in houses or in boarding houses. I'm referring now to this colony's learning center because later I saw different types of homes in other colonies. The houses looked like my grandmother's where up to 10 instructors and students could live together. Boarding places were many and very popular. They were long hangers with several doors, each opening to a room. Really beautiful. Anna lived in a boarding house. Now you're getting a sense of what life is going to be like if you make it to one of the first levels of heaven. I, I hope I can, right? That'd be wonderful. Her home was a single room decorated in very good taste with no bed because she did not need to sleep anymore. Now, of course, that's something I would miss. I love sleeping. Of course, when you sleep, as the spirits tell us, you roam the spirit world. So we really don't need to sleep. We're only sleeping because of our physical body. So as a spirit, you don't really need to sleep. You can rest there, think, or be with your friends. It was a place of her own where she could receive her friends, read, or be alone. There she kept some of her belongings, like beautiful paintings, flower pots, a photograph of her family, and a piano. A light blue color was predominant in the decoration of her room. We talked animatedly, and later Anna sang some beautiful songs for us at the piano. Afterwards, she took us to see the place where she worked. Anna cared for seven children, ages three to four years old. At the time, the children were in the playground. When they saw her, they ran over to hug her. They loved Anna very much, and she loved them right back. So, let's talk about that for a second. Why are there children in the spirit world? Because, after all, if we've been born and incarnated and discarnated many, many times, shouldn't we all be pretty mature? So why are there children? So there's a good reason for this. And this is, I have not been told this specifically, but this is what I have gathered. So for those who've had a not successful, there's a couple of things. One is there are those who needed to be children and die at an early age because they just needed to realign and re repair the perispiritual body. There are those on earth who in a previous life 
killed themselves or died in a very horrible method. And their perispirit was still damaged by their intellectual tendencies to think that, you know, if they've been run over by a train, that they were still crooked, right? Or it was just these things that happened to them that they needed to have a physical body so their perispirit could then uh, reapply to a new logical structure by what their mind was saying. And then I believe there are other things where children are, are, will die young because they were, they had not very successful and they weren't learning what they should learn. So they, they come to earth and they are, you know, somewhat, somewhat, you know, changed by you know, an innocent kind of a reset, right. In their, in their small, wonderful bodies and their loving bodies and they're innocent and ones that will take direction easier, right? Unlike adolescents and adults, they are smaller because they're still spiritually immature and they're going to be given a, a, a uh, chance to be re-raised in the spirit world to help change their character and their personality. And I look at this as kind of like your laptop or your computer that's not running very well and you reboot it because your software went off a little bit and it's hanging up or there's something wrong. So, okay, let's just reboot it. And I think this is a lot what happens when you die young. Now there are spirits. Now this not what happens to every child. There are, there are spirits who volunteer and, you know, especially in past times when a lot more children died, unfortunately, where they died young. So then, and they, when they died, then they came right back as a mature spirit. And that was, could be a mission to, um, to help the parents have that grief, have that suffering. So they, it helps them spiritually and morally. And so those are, so a lot of children will just, you know, they'll just, they'll, pass on and they'll be a mature spirit again but there are children in the spirit world in many different levels of heaven and i read about them over and over again now you don't see children down below those who appear to be children are those people who just want to appear to be children okay so then patricia goes anna must have been ugly when she was incarnated i mean she hadn't had a beautiful body Still, in the spiritual plane, it is the inner beauty that prevails. Her smile was sweet with tenderness in her eyes. For the little ones, there was no greater beauty. To me, Anna was wonderful. So it's interesting she said that. So she must have, Anna must have not changed herself into something more wonderful that she wanted to be. She probably still, um, still had the same body she had before. That's how her thought she kept her thought of how she looked in the physical world. If she wanted to, she could make herself slimmer, whatever she wanted. And probably later on, she will. She will modify her body to her desire. Later, Federico explained to me that we are what we aspire to be. External beauty can also be molded by spirits who value physical beauty. How nice it is to make and have friends. The learning center was a cheerful place with music playing all the time. Cheerfulness was recommended to all the visitors. There were many pets to play with the children, sweet little critters like birds, cats, dogs, squirrels. There were also playgrounds, toys for children, game areas for the youngsters, and many flowers all around. Anna was our guide, and she showed us the entire learning center, especially the wing for the toddlers. It was a beautiful place, well-planned, seeking the welfare of discarnate children and youngsters and offering them fun and learning. There was no sadness over there, and the children usually adjusted themselves easily. It was a wonderful trip. And in fact, the spirit world takes great care in helping children when they, when they leave their physical body. There was 
a passage written, and I talk about this and how we are guided by spirits in my book, the book three in a series of three books. And they, they, they had this one child who was passing away and the parents were around them. And they said, okay, what they did is they had another child come and, and as the child became a spirit, say another, because you know, when a child sees another child, it's just, there's more of this connection. And, and the, the, the boy, this little girl's passing away said, come with me. We're going to go to a great place. And he goes, wonderful. Let's, you know, it's going to be fun. She goes, excellent. Right. And of course she went off into one of the levels of heaven. She was taken and, you know, she just, of course, focused on her other friend, right. Just as, as they do in the real world where, where your child, if they find a friend, it's like, forget mom and dad until they need them again, which is excellent. So, so the spirit world takes very well care of children. And of course that is part of, of rearranging and remolding our character and our personality. And that gives them a chance to be in a much loving environment and to have a better childhood in the spirit world. So then they can change their character. So, so then she said, I was impressed with Anna's work and dedication, taking just a few leisure hours to herself. She works all the time caring for every child as a son or a beloved brother. Anna, I asked, Do the, don't the little ones miss their terrestrial homes and families? And she answered, yes, of course, some more than others, depending on the age. The very young ones don't feel so much. Those who have a better understanding feel more. That's why, Patricia, the emphasis here is on cheerfulness. All of us who work here do whatever we can to help our little residents. When the terrestrial family understands and accepts their passing, things become easier. But when they give in to despair, they call the children who then miss them and start crying. That's when they need more love and attention from us. Don't they want the things that they had when incarnated, like candy and ice cream? And the answer that she gave her is, of course, they don't change taste just because they're discarnate. The center is pleasant, but order is imperative. Everyone at the colony is encouraged to educate themselves. Discipline with love educates. We try to please them within reason. Many want a favorite toy. That's easy. The instructor materializes them, make them appear, and they get the toy they want. Candy and ice cream are distributed in controlled amounts so that they learn we must nourish ourselves with healthy food. Everything here is well balanced. And then, then Patricia says, and youngsters, many used to like sodas. Can they have them here? And says, Patricia, do you crave for one? When you came here, did you want sodas? And she said, no, because that's how it is with most of them. The will is in the wish, and we must educate our will. If a youngster wants a soda, he or she can have it. Never alcoholic drinks, though. We try to make them feel comfortable, especially the new arrivals. In any event, the center has rules for the good of all. Most of the kids find it wonderful here. They're content with whatever is offered them. And then she goes, well, do the children and youngsters learn how to nourish themselves through the atmosphere? So now we're getting to the, how you really, how you really are. And she goes, usually the children are here on a temporary basis. They learn according to their ability. Many among us only obtain sustenance that way. Mostly the youngsters, not the smaller ones, are used to learn this method of nourishing. So after, then Anna continued, goes, nourishment for adults is more of an exercise in pleasure than sustenance itself. All our bad habits 
our moderate needs of the body, which we, which we potentially, so we can feel more sensations and pleasures. The child looks for food only when he's hungry. His needs have not been distorted yet. And since there's no loss of energy in the astral plane, there's no need to seek food. So children quite naturally, they feel energetic. They don't think about food. Of course, I mean, how, how often do we have kids? We say, no, you need to eat. You need to eat because they're thinking they're playing and food is like far from their mind. Well, and that's what I tell people that, you know, when people say, I'm going to miss food. Well, yes, you, you might miss food, but I say, what happens when you are involved in something that you love and you feel love all around you and then you're just intellectually excited? You, it, food is like the last thing on your mind. And that's how the spirit world is, I'm sure, for the great majority of time. You are involved in some wonderful task or education or you're learning something exciting. And food has become secondary. So that, you know, that I think should hopefully make some people feel better, right? It's not going to be as important as you think. So then Patricia said, it was a beautiful tour and I learned a major lesson visiting the, the learning center. It was so nice to continue watching my family on television. Now, for we've, last week we talked that Patricia had this this um, television type device, this monitor that she could actually watch her her family on Earth. Now, not everybody had this right. You had to be spiritually mature and able to handle it. And it's, of course, she was given that because she was a spiritist in her incarnated life, and she could wish them well and not and not you know, react to every little drama that happens. The other thing I want to talk about before I go away from the children is as when Anna was saying that the children feel bad when the parents miss them so much. And of course, this is a truism, as I said before. When anybody dies, if the more you, you mourn them and you want to draw them back and say, oh, I miss you so much, it's, you know, you actually are doing them a disservice. You should say, you know, God bless you. I hope you're happy in the spirit world. You know, I think all the best for you, but don't don't try to draw them back. I knew this one family had this uh, poor, you know, poor man, their son, in uh, very bad brain damage. He was in, a, you know, pretty bad coma, and he just kept living year after year. And you know what the spirit just said is, you know, the family is keeping him on earth; they're not letting him go away, and that's why it's important. Because really, um, when you say, oh, I wish you were back here again, it's, 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 you know, it, it's not a nice thing. Because let me give you an example that I just read as I'm in Alan Kardec's The Spirit's Book. Alan Kardec says, you know, if you're, if you know, if you grieve and you mourn too much about someone who's passed on in the spirit world, he says that is like a prisoner grieving and mourning when another prisoner is released from the prison before he is. Goes, don't you think that's selfish when that person has just been released from prison is much happier in a better place where and, and you're not? So, I mean, that's how one to look at that. It's really that the earth is a place of learning and of the vicissitudes of life where in heaven things are much nicer and wonderful. So don't begrudge that person just because you miss them, that's a little bit selfish of us, right? So anyway, that's I just wanted to go through that. So then she goes, uh, talking about the family on television. 
I didn't receive any feeling of despair from them, just encouragement, which, of course, I just said you should do. If sometimes I felt the slightest sadness, I would fight it. I didn't want to be depressed. In those rare moments, I would go near my violets, which were always beautiful and flowering. Then I would feel renewed. It was as if my mother's love together with the strength of my father's tenderness sustained me. I continued having visitors, yet I enjoyed talking to youngsters or those who, like me, had passed away while young. It was somehow more interesting, maybe because we found more affinity in our conversations. I made several friends among the young crowd. We went out together and, and joined to listen to music. I noticed that Mauricio did not even drink water, so I asked him, Mauricio, how do you nourish yourself? And he says, I take the energy I need from the sun, air, and nature. So again, he says, he doesn't even drink water. You can nourish yourself just from the environment. And, and just like, you know, because you're made of this ethereal atoms, you don't need much energy. You're in this logical construct, right? You, you're getting energy to keep you going. And she said, do you think someday I'll be like you? He goes, if you want to and work for it, you'll do it. I don't need to feed myself or drink water, not even during excursions or when I'm working with the needy. Pay attention, Patricia. Note that the residents of the colony are not all equal. There are those in need, those who want to be served, and those who, although redeemed, only work out of obligation. There are those who serve willingly but get comfortable feeling fine the way they are. To many, this is already the paradise of their dreams. Then there are those who take advantage of the opportunities to learn in order to better serve. You can use your free will to stagnate, staying the same way you are, or to evolve, being like many self-sufficient spirits who do not need to sleep or eat and have ample awareness of their spiritual existence. And of course, I go much more into this exact... So what he's saying is, you have your free will. You can stay in this colony for thousands of years if you want and don't reincarnate or you can you can improve yourself and rise in the spirit hierarchy no one's going to force you you have free will you can actually some people even go further down because they don't like the spiritual colonies and they don't feel comfortable there and they go down to the lower zone but this is so important this is what heaven is heaven isn't a place where you go and stagnate yourself Heaven is a place, it's an intellectual exercise where you going, You have the opportunity to learn many things, improve yourself. And at each level of heaven, I'm talking about the level surrounding the earth, and the spirits that talk to the Reverend G. Bao Owen, uh, which they say, they, they, say, they, they say, look, we're going to use a numbering system, and it's arbitrary, and other people have other numbering systems, but we say that there's 10 levels around the earth before you get kind of the level above and it's more of to the productive level so in this book that I, and i explained this all in spirit and spirit universe is each level so as in san sebastian says there are schools and then within each level there are schools and then you get to bigger and bigger bigger heavenly colonies and there will be a main college on one level and if you you pass that college then you go up another level now as you go up another level, you are physically changed or logically changed, I may want to say. Each level, now a spirit, let's say Patricia has the ability to go 
down the levels all she wants. She has free will to travel from her level down. Now, why can't she travel up? Well, she can travel down because she is less dense and she can go and see the other parts of the world, right? But to them, the people on Earth, if they saw her, she looked brighter, right? Now, she can't travel up because when she travels up, the, everything is brighter, right? People, she would be, the people there are less dense, meaning that they, the ratio of matter to energy is different. The people above her have a higher ratio of energy to matter. And so if you see a spirit from a higher level, that spirit looks bright. And that's how when people have NDEs and visions, they think people are angels because they look fuzzy and they look like they have wings. But actuality, if you're at the same level as that person you saw, they look normal because your eyes and everything adjust. So as you graduate from one level to another, you become, you become more energy and less matter. And so when you get to the Christ level, you know, Jesus Christ, you're, and I don't know if he's pure energy or it's a little bit of matter, but he has an amazing amount of energy. Not only that, but you also have more attributes. It's like you're a smartphone. As you go up level by level, you get more applications on you. You get applications to plug into the universal uh, database, right? You, you can see uh, the past and future in further increments than lower spirits all these type of things that you know things i don't even can't even know about that you'll have more and more power with comes comes from more and more training and of course then of course this gets down to the point where the higher you go the more efficient you are creating and thinking and and doing things with your mind right you don't need to have physical labor here it's it's in your mind and that's what we're really here on earth is to discipline our mind and to get rid of these primitive emotions so as i was saying so the so there's this like she says you you can have free will as marisa was telling her to stagnate staying the way you are to evolve being like many self-sufficient spirits who do not need to sleep or eat and have ample awareness of their spiritual existence so it doesn't matter if we are incarnated or not. We have to grow, progress, practice what we learn. This is Mauricio talking. We just need to be now in the present. Many incarnates say they don't believe in reincarnation because Jesus didn't mention it more clearly and more often. What our great master taught very clearly was that we have to be better to become good in the present. How can reincarnation be important to a spirit if it is always leaving for the future what must be done in the present? And then Patricia said, well, I want to be like you. So then Patricia said, soon after I finished learning how to volatate, which is movement by thought, I started learning, nourishing myself by absorbing the vital principles in the atmosphere. I registered for the course and started going to class every day at the same time for one hour. In this course, the instructors try to make their students conscious of the fact that they are really living in a subtle body and that they are discarnate. We started with exercises to learn how to breathe. Some look like yoga. I say look like because here nobody mentioned this breathing science by name. I make this notation because while incarnated, I was acquainted with these exercises. One starts with exercises. It then becomes second nature, so one does it, does it by willpower alone. Our instructor told us we would start learning with the exercises, but it would be necessary necessary for us to start to understand our cosmic affinity. Our Father sustains us all. We can absorb energy from the air, sun, or simply the cosmos. 
as we learn, we go on to more advanced classes until we finish the course, becoming conscious that for those who want to learn, everything gets to be easier. Classes are held in a yard in a very pleasant setting in the open air, surrounded by plants. We exchange ideas and experiences during the course. The instructors are proficient and experienced spirits always are ready to help. There are classes several times a day, but the yard is always open to anyone who wants to go there to practice. Lots of people go there, many seeking to practice and many others seeking to refresh their knowledge. This course was very good for me. Slowly, I was beginning to live like all discarnates should, but very slowly. It took me a long time to finish this course. She goes, so she's learning how to plug into her cosmic affinity and absorb energy from the air, sun, or just the whole atmosphere around us, right? And this is what, this is kind of the concept of God that, of course, they, spirits tell us, they really don't understand God any, almost anywhere else as we do either. Um, only you have to get higher up to really understand it, but it's, it's more like the concept of God is the, the whole operating system. He's the whole atmosphere. And yet somehow, God is plugged and knows everything we do because everything we do is into the universal database. Everything's recorded. I don't know how to go beyond that. So then she also says, I no longer worried about my appearance. My hair looked the way I wanted it to look. I no longer changed clothes as I did in the beginning as I was losing my urge to take baths, to brush my teeth, and even to eat. Nevertheless, I still ate once a day, mostly fruits, sweets, breads, and herbal broth everything based on vegetables because animals are not killed to be eaten. I used to enjoy drinking water. The water is different here, pristine, fluid, fluidic, and energetic. Generally, the colony's residents drink water. At my grandmother's, she and her friends ate very little. They ate only after some hard work that burned a lot of energy, like when they returned from the Earth's crust or from the umbra, which is the lower zone, which is from the Earth's crust up to the first level of heaven are from the infirmaries where the more needy stay. Eating less also meant going less to the bathroom. They would also rarely take baths, maybe just taking them to have the pleasure of water running down their bodies. So again, less, you know, all that stuff, you don't need to get rid of your waste. Think how wonderful that is. You know, you don't have to go to the bathroom. You, don't have to, you can just think yourself clean, think your clothes, and then change your clothes as, as you want to because your clothes are made from your mind. In fact, there was this one scene in one of the books by Chico Xavier. They talk like about a party and then the, the people's clothes would change as their mood or as the music goes, right? So these things are just, there's so much more to this, even to the society that probably we haven't even been able to look at yet. And then Patricia goes on, because while I was learning the science of breathing as I had started to get nourishment by absorbing the vital principle of the atmosphere, I was also learning how to control my willpower and to use it for my well-being. I never felt any pain, no malaise, and no more colds. Mauricio explained that I should learn to examine my own inner self, because when we act selfishly, we cause illness in ourselves. I was sleeping less and less since I didn't feel the need, like before, to sleep or to eat either. I liked it very much, because with that type of nutrition, I almost did not have to go to the bathroom anyway, not eating makes the bathroom unnecessary. Not everybody learns how to volatate and how to nourish in courses. There are other ways to, like, to learn like reading, watching videos, or watching it from somebody else. Usually taking courses is an easier alternative. 
one learns the exact material in less time. It's wonderful to become aware of the spiritual reality and to live as a discarnate. So that is the end of that chapter, learning about nourishment. So I hope everyone enjoyed that part. It told us a lot. It told us about nourishment, how we don't need food, how we absorb energy from the atmosphere, maybe we drink. When you're in the spirit world, you don't have to discharge of your waste if you don't intake any waste you are an etheric body which means your atoms are less dense you'll have energy but and then again, again that's the reason why he, us here humans on earth can't detect that other dimension it's all different from us so this i'm hoping this introduces you to the concept of heaven and the reality of it because this is this is the the wonderful mundane secret of spiritism is it's telling you actionable facts. Now you can contest when I say facts because in our culture, nothing's been proven, but there have been so many different communications for, and of course you probably here watching this video because something happened to you telling you that there must be another world out there because that's what happened to me. There had, there is something that tells you there's something beyond our physical existence on earth. And then what spiritism does is say, yes, there is, and this is how it works. Now, other religions are wonderful and, 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 and very excellent, I'm sure. But they, the, the concept of heaven and what you are after you die is fuzzy, right? When I was growing up as an Episcopalian, I always was worried like, okay, if I die, am I, am, am I myself? Am I absorbed in the consciousness? Or uh, heaven forbid, do I just disappear, right? And, but this tells you, no, you, you are a spirit. You are a personality. You're connected to your physical body by your paraspirit. And when you die, your paraspirit disconnects from the physical body and you're still who or you are. Now, you right away, you don't regain memory of all your pre previous lives. That comes when you are ready for it and not until then. Many people could not probably, but they feel very sad if they knew about their previous lives. Why, why do I say that? Well, I might have been a king or a queen or a prince, right? Well, no. And you might have been. And that's actually probably worse for you because you would then have probably adversely affected many, many people. And then as you get into heaven and you know you want to be a good, kind, and loving person, every adverse action you took, like executing people or killing you know, rivals or, you know, stealing money like i've been told i've done when i was in positions of power i took money from from my subjects use it for myself very selflessly so those things that's why your memories aren't aren't made whole right away it'd just be too much for you to take for many people for some reason they've been telling me more and more of the bad things i've done in the past so I think i'm here as a, an object lesson to show you that you can be a rotten character a really terrible person because I've also been told I've tortured people and I've cut people's feet off, things like that way back when, not, not recently. Um, but you know, you can be, that's what reincarnation does for you. It makes you a better person. And that really explains the justice and love of God. Does it not, you know, people who are born in these horrible circumstances, how can you expect them to be a wonderful person? It can happen, but, the odds are, are much against it. And, but that's why 
you know, that's why you should love other people. Doesn't mean you they don't have to be in prison because they do things wrong. They may have to, but to know that and eventually in one life or the other, maybe five, ten lives from now, they will be led to a place of being a better person. So I want to say, everyone, please uh, subscribe to this channel. Hit the like button if you can. Uh, give me a comment. Tell me other things you'd like to talk about. And I want to say God bless to everyone. God bless.